Hey, what's up, everybody? I am here with Aaron Gayet, a Marine Reservist, Master Kettlebell uh, Battle Ropes Trainer. Uh, kettlebell Trainer as well? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you still world record holder? Yeah. A U.S. record holder? Of kettlebell? Yeah, U.S., yeah. Yes, all right, we'll talk a little bit later. Um, and um, a business owner, a former business owner, and now working with Living.Fit. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure, sure. Hey, thanks for your time. I know you're a busy guy. You're out here. Uh, I'm going to train some Marines down at Camp Pendleton this weekend and um, squeeze a little bit of your schedule to come here to Garden Grove, to our offices here, and talk a little bit about uh, your journey through um, um, your life and yeah. entrepreneurship. Yeah. So um, I know you started off um, um, in, in, the, in the Marines. Can mm -hmm. you tell a little about your time there? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to. I wanted to be. I think an army man when I was, you know, younger, and I didn't know that there was a difference in the branches and all that stuff. And then I think my buddy back shoot when I was like nine years old told me that uh, Marines could bench press two thousand pounds, <laughs> and I just said like all these absurd legends, right? Uh, and so I was like, from that point on, I was like, okay, I want to be a Marine, um, and so joined right out of high school. And it was, it's a good thing because I probably wasn't going in a, in the greatest of directions. So, um, I, I, I really put all my eggs in that basket and thought I would just be in the Marine Corps for life. Um, and then as life, you know, tends to happen, uh, things change and you get older and, and you maybe get wiser or maybe you make some bad decisions or whatever along the way. And it, and it changes the way, you know, the way life works. But yeah, so I, I got in right out of high school in 1999. And so if you recall, that was like, uh, 92 was the first kind of Desert Storm, you know, Operation Desert Storm, but then 03 was the Iraq War. So it put me like right front and center at the end of my training. And to be honest, you know, I was an infantryman. So that's like, that's what the Marine infantryman looks forward to is deploying and using the skills that they have. A lot of other people, you know, that join services or whatever, um, they see it maybe as a stepping stone or whatever, but uh, most of us there is like we, we came to get, you know, to see action, so to speak. Um, and then there's obviously an unfortunate side of that, but we can talk about that later. But um, yeah, so 03, I was pushed to Baghdad. Um, so crossed the, the militarized zone, went into Iraq, uh, went all the way through uh, firefights and as an infantryman or whatever. And then, um, and then ended up getting out because I got married at that time. And uh, my now former wife, my wife at that time was like, not no, but hell no, am I doing this, this again? And I get it. I, I absolutely totally under, understand where she's coming from. Um, but then, you know, I, I started a business and, and was able to system, create systems well enough to give me some free time. So then that's what brought me back into the Marine Corps. But yeah, that 99 to 03 stint, um, you know, going from uh, private in, in boot camp all the way up through sergeant at the very end um and then and seeing combat i mean that's really like uh, i kind of saw it all as as a marine infantryman and as i i think a lot of people imagine kind of marines do i i did it and and obviously what we imagine and what i romanticized in high school wasn't what the reality was just like in business and right. entrepreneurship and, and, life, all, and, and life, life and all these other things right <laughs> yeah so yeah okay so um you know how was your time in, in the military? Uh, what skills did you learn that transferred over to you and you starting your own business and ultimately having a successful business? Yeah, so it's funny. I was actually 
talking about this today. So right now I'm the chief instructor at an IG, so an instructor group that's down at School of Infantry. So we augment the active duty instructors. Um, and so we'll, we'll teach thousand level infantry uh, training and tactics and techniques or whatever to, uh, it's supposed to be mainly people coming off of uh, inactive duty and having to go deploy to, uh, you know, fill, fill spaces or, 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 or even combat losses, you know, around the world. So we train them their thousand level training and then they go on to the next levels of training with their unit. And then they, the combatant commanders or whatever, then take this new person and put them in with their unit. So I was explaining to them, I go, I don't know exactly how and where I picked it up, but I definitely know that my first four years are still very formative years in a, in a person's life, right? When you're young, late teens, young twenties, your brain is still forming. Um, and, and I know, you know, my mom gave me some pretty good, like hard skills and soft skills. Um, and same with my, same with my dad, you know, learning hard work, but there was something about, you know, me trying to imagine, okay, what is the battlefield and what is everything that we're doing from a mission standpoint look like from a 40,000 foot view? And how does that look from a 10,000 foot view? And then more, you know, most important for me is how does it look boots on the ground? And that's how I'm going to act, react. That's what I'm going to speak to. But, but in thinking about what's going on in the 40,000 foot view. And so the way, um, the way we write our op order, our operation orders, um, the way we do mission planning in the Marine Corps, um, that gave me some, some, really hard skills, but also some soft skills too, but it gave me some hard school skills in, in terms of creating some structure for that. And, and that has been my competitive advantage mm -hmm. and my differentiator, I believe in the business world is I can, and it's not like I'm, I'm treating the people not as people, but I can pull to the 40,000 foot view where people don't really look like people anymore. They tend to be numbers on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. um, but then how does that then equate to actions that I'm going to take so that I can actually treat you as a human when I, when I am mm -hmm. in, in front of you? And, and how do I create, whether it's technological advantages or how can I leverage time or how can I leverage or how can I uh, build the best win-win-win here where you know the, the company wins, but then also the employee wins, but then also the, the client wins. And, and that's something that um, I, I just found myself doing in the Marine Corps. And I think, you know, I think I was an anomaly even in my platoon and I didn't realize that I was, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I quickly with a couple of other guys that I, um, that I served a lot of time with, we quickly rose to the top. We quickly became sort of that cream on the top, mm -hmm. um, just by nature of, and we were naturally competitive, maybe had some natural leadership tendencies, but then we're also able to see it from the view of the commander. So now the commander isn't upset at you, mm -hmm. but then we can also see it from the view of the, the basic infantry men. So then they're not upset at you either because I'm speaking both languages and I'm buffering up and I'm buffering down, you know, and, and I mean, that's what you're doing all of the time in business to really create solid systems that you can put in place that now when, when, you know, highest capital which is human capital goes through that system they're mm -hmm. going to get the best it's not going to be perfect you know it never is because mm -hmm. people are not perfect <laughs> but it's going to be a much better situation and more profitable than you know maybe an alternative yeah so um you talked a little bit about um while you were in the military and you started your first business tell us a little bit about that first business you 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 started 
Yeah, so I, I think uh, I was really fortunate to spend a year in corporate America after, right after the Marine Corps. So one, it was like a punch to the <laughs> face in terms of culture shock, yeah. like completely yeah. different. I can't yell at people. I can't put my no, hands no on No roughnecks people. around there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything is super PC, but it, it happened to be that I worked for a Marine boss. So, so, and he kind of handled his part of that company very Marine-like. I was pretty surprised. And now looking in hindsight, I'm very surprised that he even got away with some of the stuff <laughs> that he did, right? Um, but in the, in the time I was like, even there, I was like, I feel like you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> you can't, like I, one story, he like got so mad at somebody, he went to their desk and wiped everything off of their desk onto the floor, like to include computers and things like this that can break and phones and whatever, and starts yelling. And I was like, I, I was so used to that from the Marine Corps that it, it kind of didn't phase me. But then I was like in the corporate setting, I'm like, this is not allowed here. <laughs> But, but in that corporate setting, it was, it was all about, it basically, it helped if, if there was an epigenetic, you know, trait that is being able to, to see things in systems and see things in processes, it completely turned that on mm -hmm. for me. Like everything had an SOP attached to it, mm -hmm. right? Everything had to go through this really highly scrutinized protocol because it was in the healthcare industry and we were, we were a cancer, a cancer lab doing, I was doing the logistics on the front end when we got the specimen and then on the back end when we got the results and this, uh, and the specimen and sending it back. So I had to learn the whole process going around and then build out our logistics to make it the most effective and the most efficient uh, to send it out. Well, I didn't want to sit behind a desk and, and sit on a computer, which is funny because that's where I find myself now. <laughs> uh, you know, they, as you as you get in, you know, bigger companies and or working with more people, you end up having to sit behind a computer yeah. and and type some of these things out and, right. and control from that sort of control center that is the computer. Um, <clears throat> but it gave me a a, a a great reason to escape the desk go in. I'm like, I want to be a trainer. I was, I was training people in 19 from 1999. I was putting Marines through, uh, you know, nutrition programs and fitness programs to meet the, uh, physical fitness test, height, weight requirements, you know, all the requirements that you need in the, in the military. Mm -hmm. Then on the side, I was just giving people free, like, workout programs, nutrition advice, mm -hmm. which is now like, I realize like totally not okay. <laughs> I, like zero, sir. But I guess it's if people trust you with that information, you know, it's just like going to your uncle and whatever, right. asking him what, Hey, what would you do if you were lifting weights to gain yeah. muscle? And he tells you what he did when he was yeah. a teenager or whatever. Right. So it's kind of the same scenario. So I was like, man, I, I wonder if I could do this as a profession and got in at a large chain gym and was a very small peon in that um, and learned through the kind of the school of hard knocks that sales is a big piece of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, marketing is a, is a big piece of this. I, I didn't get to touch the marketing all that much. I, I learned that um, the hard way again, uh, going and doing it on my own. But then I was like, I was just really not satisfied looking at, you know, so I'll just dive in head first into something. And so looking at the operation from the 40,000 foot view, I was like, I feel like I could do this better. Mm. You know, and so I, I started training one person um, at an apartment gym, and then that turned into a whole 
training company. And then that training company turned into a brick and mortar gym and, and training company. And then that turned into, okay, we got to dial in systems. And then it's funny because then you look in hindsight and you're like, oh, that's why they paid them that because they have other bills to pay. <laughs> oh, right, that right, makes right. sense. You know? Yeah. So, you know, some of the stuff becomes a little bit more apparent when you're walking through it versus, you know, you see it and then you, and then, and then you inevitably see it like in your mind's eye with these ideals you know, which are great. Um, but then you put those ideals into motion, you realize, oh, it can't actually work totally that way. Yeah. Um, so then that kind of began, that was like the, my in, entrance into the fitness industry and entrance into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I did it all wrong, you know, working like 120 hours a week, like losing sleep and just only just, that's the one thing, like I, I get pretty, um, into whatever it is that I'm doing. Like I said, I'll, I'll dive in, I'll dive in not only head first, but also swim to the bottom, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. to try to figure out what's going on, um, which is a good thing. But then it was also not a good thing in terms of relationships and my, yeah. my own personal care and things yeah. like that. Um, but that was, that was the beginning of the entrepreneurial life. And so then that evolved into me being able to sell that Mm -hmm. um, not only the, the concept and systems of the personal training, but then the actual brick and mortar and, and all, all of that whole setup. And, and at the, at the end of that, I was educating in the fitness industry by this mm -hmm. point, right? Cause I had accrued enough experience and enough education and accolades and certifications and all these things. So then I could start educating and then that became a whole new business, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was able to sell that. So. Yeah, I know. I know. We I, I traveled pretty far in there when you were just asking about getting into the fitness. Industry. Yeah. So you know, you talked about it, it started with one person, and yeah. um, I think people trying to get into this industry, you know, there's only so much time in the day, so you, you can't do one on ones all day long. Yeah. So at one point, you did you tell yourself, hey, like, you know, I, I like training one on one, but like, it's not going to put food on my table. Yeah. It's not going to help me raise a family. I need to I need to scale this business. And and then how did you figure out how to scale? Like, what was the solution? Um, it, what was, what was really amazing and very, and very formative for the beginning of the fitness industry. Uh, well, part, part of it is also, uh, this is right before 2008, you know, 2009, when the bottom fell out of everybody and yeah. everything, uh, especially something like a, you know, personal training, especially one, if you do one-on-one -on -one personal training yeah. where you're charging, you know, anywhere from 80 to $160 an hour or whatever. Um, but we had this crew of trainers that, created you know I, I think that was it's not the beginning of mastermind but it was like when when sort of masterminds i think uh the, sort of the inception of it at least from what i could tell right so like 2006 2005 2006 2007 mm -hmm. and we created so we all got started at you know 5 to 5 30 in the morning so we would go in and we would meet at 3 45 or 4 in the morning and we would talk about what we learned in, in terms of like business mm -hmm. and, and business tactics and sales and sales tactics and um, strategies and, you know, all of these things. And so we were learning from each other in real time and real fast, too, because mm -hmm. every single person was a sole proprietor with a couple of clients. So how easy is it for you to change, you know, on the fly? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I can just implement this immediately. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can just put this automation in immediately. Oh, I can do this technology immediately, right? And, mm -hmm. and so we're real time giving real time feedback week week in and week out. We meet once a week and <clears throat> there was a couple people that were crushing it in terms of revenue. Mm -hmm. And 
if somebody called in sick or a couple people, you know, quit or whatever, they were still crushing it. And why were they crushing it? Cause they did small group training mm. and they were like, Hey, it's the same as one-on-one. I'm giving them this personalized approach, but I'm doing, I'm doing it in a way where it can spread load my efforts to more people and still be able to meet them individually. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that turned into more, um, you know, small, small classes, mm-hmm. right. And some, or small groups being a little bit bigger than like uh, three to five, more like eight to 12 or something like that. Um, but, and, and then, and then you're doing maybe less personalized, but you're, you're giving, if you're, if you're training general pop population, you know, they want to feel better. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to move better. Mm-hmm. Right. And they want to be able to look better. Right. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, and it's, it's not like that you need to do conjugate method and this person, you know, needs to do Olympic lifting to get that. It's like, no, there's some generals that we just need to make sure that we're, we're, we're programming in and, and, and coaching in. And then the big part is getting buy-in and getting consistency. Cause that's really what's going to make the, make the change. So like, all of that happened right in this experimental time where it was all these different trainers from all these different companies giving us, giving each other real time, you know, advice and real time methodologies and and real time tactics that we could immediately implement, you know, put handles into our business and move our our business forward faster. Um, And, and that became, you know, that's where I, I created my first partnership. That's where, um, yeah, we created small training, Mm -hmm. um, that's where we, you know, had this idea of, you know, what you now see is like the CrossFit boxes, but mm-hmm. like more of a box type setting than, mm-hmm. than, you know, the traditional, uh, gyms, because then you can have, you know, dumbbells and free weights, which are much easier to move around and much easier to work with logistically with smaller groups and, and smaller classes. So yeah, just an incredible time to be, to be a trainer and to be a business owner and entrepreneur. Cause mm-hmm. now we're just learning like so fast because everybody's giving, you know, immediate yeah. feedback. So you're, you're as effective as you could implement each, each tactic, each new thing that you heard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's go back to, to that particular group of trainers that you yeah. work with. Like how important was that to your business to not only to surround yourself with like-minded business owners. And then I think the other half is, is equally important is actually implementing those ideas into yeah. your business right away. How, how instrumental was that for you in your business? So, oh no, it just, I mean, it made, it made the difference, right? It was, it was the cornerstone of the foundation really, um, to, to have, you know, instantaneous feedback with people that are doing it similarly or the same, you know, on that same level. And maybe this guy is, is improving this piece and that girl is improving that piece. Mm And, and so you're able to, and, and they're able to share that too, uh, with each other and, and realize that, you know, it's not a zero sum game that if they win, it doesn't mean that I have to lose. Or if I win, it doesn't mean that they have to lose. Mm-hmm. We can all win together. Um, and I mean, let's face it, like if we're talking fitness, like really we're not doing that great of a job if we take a cross section of the populace <laughs> nationally, yeah. state, mm-hmm. even locally. Right. Yeah. Um, there's, there's more than enough people out there that need it. Um, but there's not enough people out there that are able to meet that need. And mm-hmm. so we were just creating a, a better scenario to try to meet more people's need at a, at a higher quality level. So it was absolutely crucial. Um, and, and to effectively execute that absolutely the next crucial step. But then I would, I would add even another one. 
and it's it's something that I didn't do then. So there was there was probably two mentors that I had at the time, and I didn't see them as mentors. And now in hindsight, I see them as mentors. And then I see me as an idiot who didn't <laughs> listen to the mentors. And if I would have listened to the mentors, it would have probably saved me some heartache and pain right along the way. But also making sure that we're finding people that are you know above and beyond where we're at. Yeah. And, and then, and actually listening to what it is that they're saying and implementing, you know, not just listening, but then doing right. that thing. And, and, and that became the, the make it or break it. Like I could have went to those masterminds. I could have, you know, listened to the, well, I, I didn't, you know, I did learn the hard way. Um, but I could have listened to the mentorship, but if I didn't implement it right away, like, well, then what's the point? Like, right. what's the point of being, I'm wasting my hour. I'm wasting, why would I get up at 3.30 in the morning to be there at four, you know, right. or two, three in the morning to be there at four? Like, that would be such a waste of my time. Um, but the fact that we had it so early in the morning, right, and and like that created the initial, the buy-in. Like, these people were there to not mess around. Because you know, if they're showing up at 4 a.m. They're they're the yeah. real deal, right? Like I, yeah, I want to <laughs> actually change this. I and I'll and I'll prove it because I'm showing up at four. Whereas there's some other, you know, some other barriers to entry. So that was a time barrier to entry. But you know, a lot of people, it's like I want to I want to learn everything, but I only want to learn it from Instagram and the free YouTube. It's like it's probably not going to go that far. You may need to pay to play here. Like right. you may like and just and just paying immediately creates more intrinsic value to the thing that you're paying for. Right? Yeah. It's like if once I pay, like now I see it as more value. So I'm going to listen to it more and I'm going to implement it better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, uh, that was another like key factor that I kind of learned in that time as well. Yeah. So you've, you've, you've exited two businesses. Um, what would you say is kind of like the common thread? Like, was there, was there a time to say, Hey, this is time for me to move on to the next step. Or was there a time, like, it's right for me to move on. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're thinking when you, when you sold these two businesses. So the first business, um, it was time to leave when your wife told me. To, <laughs> no, not your wife, my wife told me it was time to leave. Or when your wife tells you it's time to leave, might be time to leave, unless you don't want to be with your wife anymore. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that, I mean, that really was kind of the trigger on the first one, uh, but sort of to get me to look at it and go, yeah, like I, I can move on. Um, and if, if, I can, if I can lay out the systems well enough, then, you know, I can, I can leave in good conscience knowing, Hey, the systems are there. I'm here, you know, to, to talk about those systems if you need me and, and then, and then be able to, to push on, you know, to be quite frank, like I, I think I spent too much time on the first one, but it was, it was absolutely necessary for me personally, because I, you know, I, I hit so many roadblocks. I had so many failures. I had so, I made so many mistakes um, that those, you know, when it, when it stings, or when it burns, it's like, okay, maybe I don't want to touch the stovetop yeah. anymore, you know? And, yeah. and so those are, those end up being really good things. And, you know, to be able to, to, you know, continually look for the silver lining, even when you're in the middle of a dark cloud. So if, if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur and you're in the middle of a really sucky time, there's probably an incredible thing that you're going to be able to learn from that, where if you actually learn from it and implement it, it's not going to be so hard and, and so hopeful or it won't even exist, you know, going forward. Um, so that, that one, it was my wife, you know, that, that triggered that and, and it, and it was a good time to leave. Um, this, the second one, I, I, in my mind's eye, I thought, well, I'm going to, I'll roll this thing for three to five years and then I'll sell it. But 
you know, you, you can't always guess what's going to happen in the market. You can't always yeah. guess what's going to happen in your, in your environment in the business. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it just happened to be that that ripened enough to make it a sellable entity at the perfectly right time when there was a buyer present. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and there was a couple of things that happened. Um, and I don't tend to believe in coincidence when it's, when it's like 12 coincidences in <laughs> uh, when it's one or three or thing. it's like, okay, that's probably a coincidence. Um, and so, uh, you know, I really, I really do think there was some divine intervention in, in that process for me, which was, you know, really incredible. And I'm, and I'm, you know, just incredibly grateful and thankful for, for those opportunities and those blessings. Um, but at the same time, like, I still, I still have to act on it. You know, right. you still got to act on right. it. You still got to negotiate. You still got to do like, there's still all this stuff that you still have to process in order to exit, mm -hmm. you know, another entity. Uh, with the second one, it's kind of cool because I still kind of get to, um, I still get to design it, but I get to design it on an even greater level for more things that are like the, the battle ropes education mm -hmm. because it's living fit that bought it. And then they also bought me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're like, okay, we want you to implement this for all of our stuff, for mm -hmm. all of our methods, you know, for all of our silos that, that we're going to teach. So not just battle ropes, but kettlebells and yoga and nutrition and, you know, all these fitness things. Um, and so like, yeah, it's like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll see if the way that I thought about it from the 40,000 foot view, if the scaling of it, we'll see if, if that actually pans out and it works in the structure that I have envisioned in my mind and created for this one little entity and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll reproduce it for all of them. And that's what we were able to do for sure. Cool. I, I know your, your first business was a, was a brick and mortar and obviously you got the ultimatum from your wife. Um, but was there anything about in your head, um, like, yeah, you know, well, my wife says, but you know, I'm rooted here. You know, it's a, it's a brick and mortar business. So I see people every day, day in and day out. Yeah. Like, like now we got to move. I gotta, I've got to rebuild myself over again. Did you ever have that question to yourself during, during that particular transition? No, I didn't. But a lot of people ask me that question uh -huh. and, and I, they, you know, they're like, Oh, are you going to do the same thing up in Northern California where you moved to? And I was like, no, I like, I've already, I've already begun this, this new mm. venture in, in education. So I think I'm just going to turn that into a, a more viable business and, and something that's even sellable. Um, and then also something that isn't, isn't necessarily tying me to a particular region or a particular location as well. Um, you know, so that I can, I can sort of have my cake and eat it too, like be able to work remote, spend time with my family um, and not have to, you know, go check in, in a, in a physical, in a physical location. Cause I, cause I've done that and, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, if, if people are doing it, like uh, I think brick and mortars are necessary, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I just, you know, for my life plan and, and our family plan, I was like, no, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it that way. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I didn't have that. I really worried about that for my wife. Like I was going into a new place, but the th so here's the thing. Like I was, I was a hillbilly, you know, like born and raised in North Idaho, mm -hmm. rural, had the worst culture shock in the world joining the <laughs> Marine Corps, right? Because there's layers of culture shock. Yeah. Like I'm in a big city that's San Diego. Um, you know, there's fl planes flying in like constantly because MCRD is located right next to the airport. Mm -hmm. There's drill instructors yelling at me. It's a completely different, they're telling me how to live my life exactly mm -hmm. from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep and even in my sleep, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I already had this like massive culture shock. And then I did my time in the Marine Corps, had another culture shock in the corporate world, mm -hmm. and then another culture shock trying to, you know, be an entrepreneur. So at this point, it's like, 
and I'm ready. Like I can, I, I feel pretty comfortable that you can plot me wherever mm -hmm. and I, it's going to take me a little bit to get my feet under me, so to speak. But all I got to do is look around, feel around, talk around, ask around. And I feel like I, I can, I can gather a, a solid network. I can find some really good mentors and I can create some value in that community in some way, shape, shape or form that I'll be able to sell and turn into a business. Yeah. So, you know, you, you just mentioned about selling when you, when you started your first business, did you have, you had the intention to sell? Like, no. Hey, no, no. Okay. All right. Absolutely so, not. So you just started just to start it. When was it the point where like, maybe, maybe it was the selling of the foreseeable future, but I thought like, Hey, um, maybe one day I might, I might be out of this business. So I need to start building this business. Like it, like I'm not there. Right. So it, it run without me. It was, uh, I, I actually had to look at it. Um, so I can't remember his last name, Mike. Uh, he he wrote he wrote the Pumpkin Patch. Mike Michalowicz. Michalowicz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's the what's the main one that he, that uh, he Profit wrote? First? Profit First. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote Profit, Profit First. Um, I also did Dave Ramsey's financial piece. Mm -hmm. So really having to examine the financials made me realize like even if I don't want to sell this, it needs to be sellable. Meaning mm -hmm. it needs to be able to generate its own profit right and be able to pay its bills and, and generate its own profit it, it cannot rely on me it needs to rely on itself mm -hmm. right and and that was the moment that i realized i that okay this needs to be a sellable business um and and, and what does a sellable business look like yeah like are you going to be able to return this much profit if if you follow a b c d and e and f or you know whatever the case might be um so so did a, I mean, there was a lot of transformations that happened with that, you know, with that first company, with the gym and the training company. Um, whereas the second business, it was all about how do I generate it as a sellable business from day one? So right from, right from the get go, the, the intention was to make it a sellable business. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. There was a, I mean, I've gone through the same thing. And one of the books that really opened my eyes was, um, it was called Built to Sell by, mm -hmm. by Dave Warlow. And, yeah, you know, good. Um, in in that book, for those of you who have read it, it's like, if it's a service, especially if it's service-based business. So in that business, he, I think he talks about like a graphic designer, like how does a graphic designer build his business yeah. so that like when the next person buys it, they know it's the revenue is going to be the same or, or, or even better. Yeah. And so that, that particular book really opened my eyes. It's like, Hey, whether you want to sell or not, you yeah. know, that's a kind of a secondary question. Yeah. You know, the, the threshold should be, how do you build, build this business, whatever business you're in to be sellable? Yep. Because to be sellable means that um, you can, it doesn't rely on what, any particular individual there yep. to, to operate it and run it. Yeah, same with E-Myth Revisited. That's another really good one for, for that, right? Because it's all about how do you create systems that basically replicate what you've been maybe doing for the last however many years, but now turn it into a system where somebody else can do what you do. Yeah. And that's the hard part. Right? Yeah, and then one of the things I, I, I really like about that book um, is you know, you know, how they have particular archetypes, right? There's the, yeah. there's the, there's a manager and then yep. uh, I forgot what the, uh, I think maybe they use the artist, but it's like, Hey, just because yeah, you're artist or craftsman, or craftsman right? Yeah, yeah. Like just be, just because you're good at pies yeah. does not mean you should go open up a pie shop. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and, and exactly. I think that's where the biggest value in that book comes in is, totally. is like, just, 100%. just because you're, you're good at something. I mean, does it, doesn't mean you shouldn't have the desire, but I think you should have a bigger perspective about whatever, means to run the business yeah absolutely and you talk about systems a lot and um i've heard this saying like 
you know, when, when the stuff hits the fan, you fall back to the levels of your training or your, for your systems. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. what would you say, obviously, you know, in, 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 in the military and the firefight, that's, that's, that's a physical thing. Obviously yeah. people in business are not going to get to that kind of level of intensity, but if you could, if you could kind of just analogize, like, right. Like I was in this situation, we fell back to our training and exactly in my business, when I, when things was going down the tubes, yep. I fell back to the level of my, of my business training. Yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's a, that's an oft quoted, uh, quote of mine and it's Archilochus is like the original and he's like, he's the OG, the original Greek warrior <laughs> poet. Like, and so way back in antiquity, ancient times, he said, we do not rise to the level of our expectation. We fall to the level of our training. And then James Clear has kind of repurposed that a little bit. And he's like, you know, you don't rise uh, to your ideal or whatever, but you fall to your habits, right? Mm -hmm. What you, what you are continually doing or your systems. Yeah. Um, or we don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems that we put in place, right? The things that we can do consistently day in and day out, um, or the, in, the, the entity can do consistently day in and day out. So in a, in a firefight or, you know, if you're, if you're like a um, like civil uh, uh, person, like police or, or firemen or something like that, it's, it's easy to get buy-in from your team because it's life and death. Right? It's way harder when it's not life and life and mm -hmm. death. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a couple ways that, that you, I think you can paint that for, for teams and, and for businesses. Um, one, you can, you can try to, um, you know, create this vision where you, you start to sort of generate this life or death kind of ideology about it, where you're equating life to profit and death to, you know, being in the red or, or, you know, not, not making profit or not being able to, to pay your bills, um, which is very much the case. And, and I do think that that's an intrinsic quality in every human. Um, and also the reason why we tend to be like, so, you know, freeze fight and flight all the time and, and, you know, are, are not, are, are so stressed out, even though really we have nothing to worry about. Like, you know, there's a roof over our heads, got clothes, you know, we, we have food, we have water, we have all these basic needs, our basic needs met. Um, but then because of Mas, you know, if we're using Maslow's hierarchy mm -hmm. of needs, like, and then it goes into the, these higher nature type things. And, and so we naturally, and I think intrinsically equate it to more like, you know, predator, prey, old, you know, old uh, hunter gatherer mindset when no, you just lost the deal, yeah. you know, no, yeah. your business is just not doing very well. It's not that you're going to die. It's not that your family's going to lose their life or anything like that. It's not life or death, but, but we intrinsically equate it and we do it subconsciously. Um, so that's a way I think uh, to do it. But then I, I probably, probably the best way is, is so I'll just focus on the principles of that. It's like, Hey, what have we been in the habit of doing? Hmm. You know, what is, what has been our day in and day out? And let's just be real with that you know, and, and we can talk about it or we can write it out um, or, you know, or you, you can get them to think about it and visualize it, whatever the case might be. And if it's not what we, what we say we think we need from the train, then it's time to train, mm -hmm. you know, it's time to, okay, we got to put some reps in to make this a habitual, you know, daily, just knee jerk reaction and response, because that's what saves the, the Marine in a firefight. And that's what saves a business from getting into the red. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and so, and in that it's a, I think it's a great metaphor to use 
the firefight, like, cool, we're not going to lose our life and hey, nobody's shooting at us. So we can be calm about this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, if we don't want to die out as a business, like, there's going to be certain things that we need to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis, on a week-to-week -week basis, on a month-to-month -month basis. And if we're not doing that, okay, let's, let's figure out how far off we are. Let's change one thing and then yeah. let's change another thing and let's change it. And before you know it, you've created 180 degrees. And it's the same thing with, with fitness, like with diet. Like if you try to turn everything around on day one, like you are going to fail, hmm. you know, like, no. oh, new year, new me. I'm going to change everything. And two weeks later, mm -hmm. I'm back to old me. Right. And this is how I'm going to do the next, this, the rest of this year, but next year, next year, new year, new year, new year. No. How about new year, one new habit, hmm. right? Yeah. Change one little thing. Boom. Okay. Now that that is a habit and it's something that you don't have to think about, like brushing your teeth or putting your clothes on or whatever. Yeah. Okay. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Yeah. So, um, I know you're with Living Fit right now, and as much as you can disclose, you know, is there something else you're working on in the future coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the the main thing with Living Fit is, so how, like, I I want Living Fit to change the game in the fitness industry, hmm. like absolutely change the game. And and how are you going to do that? You're going to do that through education. Mm -hmm. So we are education company like that's our main gig and and yeah can can enthusiasts use our our stuff absolutely you know end users you know do some workouts and things like that absolutely um but moreover if if we can change how trainers and and coaches are training and coaching then we're going to absolutely change the game for our nation for the world right from a from a physiological standpoint and to me that's exciting because it was about halfway through or, or maybe the first quarter first third of of being in the fitness industry you know at, at, like starting 2005 um where i re realized that if i can change somebody physiologically then what's inextricably connected to that their psychology then mm -hmm. i'm automatically making them a more competent a more confident um, and, and a healthier, a better quality person. Um, and to me, that's just super exciting. Mm. Um, and that really became why I stayed in the fitness industry and, and continued to put down reps and lay down reps and, and, you know, run into, you know, hard <laughs> yeah. obstacles and hit nasty failures and yeah. make big mistakes yeah. because man, I know that this can really change, uh, the human quality of life or, or really help people become better humans mm. psychologically, which is, which will inevitably, and then it's just time for the physiology to change, mm -hmm. time for the body to change. It's just, you got to wait for it. Right. Yeah. Um, if the mind changes, um, but that's what really excites me. So if I can, <clears throat> if I can create again, a, a systems driven business that is living dot fit, then I should, I shouldn't be there in five mm -hmm. years. Yeah. If I'm there in five years, then I'm, I made a mistake. Like I did something wrong. Right. Like I shouldn't be there. It should be making money hand over fist and changing people's lives, you know, every single day without me having to say or do anything. So if I, if I'm still there in five years, if people are tracking me or whatever after this, <laughs> then you can be like, shame on you. You said that at that podcast in the intentional right, today, today, today is uh, Friday the 13th. This is part Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in uh, 2025, we're going to follow. That's like, right. All right we're, so we're, <laughs> we're near the end here, but there's a couple more questions I want to ask. Um, the first one is um, um, you lose everything, right? Yeah. The only thing you have is your computer, your internet, and your cell phone. 
how do you rebuild your business? Yeah, so I always start with the end in mind. Uh, what, is, what is my deliverable? What am, I, what am I giving? What is my value that I'm gonna add to this particular market? And then from there, okay, how do I need to create the, the ramp that's gonna lead me to delivering that at the, at the highest level to the most people, right? Um, and yeah, and so I, I, I begin probably by just talking to the market, you know, or mm -hmm. f establishing the market by talking to people, mm -hmm. right? On the cell phone, uh, on the computer, and, and figuring out, okay, what do people like? What are people doing? What's going on? And then from there, it's like, okay, I, I know there's a gap in um, uh, plants, in, indoor plants to help, uh, you know, people breathe better mm -hmm. or something like that, let's yeah. say, right? And so it's like, okay, now I got to figure out how I'm going to connect with, you know, people that are really good at creating the beginning process of creating indoor plants and shipping those to, you know, people in their homes or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, so that people can have a uh, higher quality breathing, right. Right. When they're in, in their home, their, their own filtration system through a plant. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and, and so then I just start that process and, and start the, the thing that I think uh, people, people forget is how important this is like connection, not, and not, it doesn't have to be necessarily face to face. Um, I, I built my business off of phone calls, mm -hmm. you know, but if I'm just putting out there onto the interwebs, social media and whatnot, that, you know, I'm connecting plant growers to home owners, you know, every single day, I might get a few sales here and there. But if I'm calling every single plant grower and I'm calling every single homeowner that I know, I am guaranteed leads i am guaranteed or prospecting it turning to leads leads turning into clients clients turning into clients for life mm -hmm. right and then those clients turning you know turning to their friends and creating more clients for life because i reached out and connected with them and realized hey your home you know your breathing is not as good and obviously mm -hmm. i'm just making up this business right right, <laughs> but, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and and i know some really good plant growers that grow indoor plants that i would love to connect you with i'm creating a win for them I'm creating a win for me I'm creating a win for the for the homeowner mm -hmm. you know and and it, so then everybody wins and and that by giving right and thinking about how can I serve people rather than how can they serve me yeah. right that's what's going to create the win-win-win and that's what's going to create a really viable and sustainable business from starting from scratch just the phone mm -hmm. just the internet just my computer I'm going to be able to do all of that Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we're in the rapid fire question here section. Yeah. So just uh, give me the first answer that pops in your head. Okay. All right. So uh, who do you look up to the most? Uh, Jesus Christ. All right. What's the best business book you ever read? Scrum. Um, what's the best business advice you've ever received? Oh, I got to go back. Can I say how to win friends and influence people? <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Business advice. Um, uh, have them figure it out. Have the team figure it out. So instead of you doing everything, have them do it. Uh, if there was one thing you could do over again, what would it be? Man, honestly, I say nothing. And here's the thing. I have to, I have to premise that with, I have a whole ton of regrets. I, I've made a bunch of horrible mistakes, had some really crappy, you know, relationships end horribly, um, but nothing because that's, that's made me who I am now and where, where I am now. And I couldn't be more grateful 
for where I am right now. And I think, I, I fear that if I were to remove one of those things, that this place wouldn't be where I'm at. All right. And what's the biggest challenge in your business right now? Uh, well, the biggest challenge is that I've, I've got a, a bunch of businesses that are vying for, for my time and, and I love every single one of them. And so I want to be able to prioritize all of them as number one. Unfortunately, I can't. So, you know, it's living fit first and then it's this, you know, the special forces experience and then it's uh, business goals and then it's leaders of leaders, right? Uh, all this uh, stuff. So yeah, unfortunate, but just part of, part of life. You're, you're like the next Gary Vee because he, you know, someone asked him this question and he says, what's, you know, what's the biggest trick, uh, problem you have? He's like opportunity overload. Yeah. Opportunity overload. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Thousand percent. For yeah. sure. All right. So, Hey, thank you. Thanks again for your time. I know you're going to go train some Marines later. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for training them. Um, if we want to learn more about you, learn about more about living, living that they were, where can we find some more information? Yeah, so obviously living.fit, as you see on the t-shirt, if you're seeing this or if you're hearing it, just type in living.fit in your URL and we will pop up. Um, that's the easiest way. And then of course on Instagram, you can check out Aaron Guyette, A-A-R-O-N-G-U-Y-E-T-T. -T, um, and you can check out kbkliving.fit. Uh, as well. And that's where you'll find living fit stuff. Uh, Battle rope exercise is a big Instagram channel that um, I own now, now living fit owns. So, so if you want to find out more about battle ropes, you can go there. And then leaders of leaders is my passion project. That's on the back burner mm -hmm. right now. That will be the thing that I'll probably hop to after living.fit. Mm -hmm. um, but you can check that out at, at leaders of leaders. Tell us a little bit, uh, give us a little taste about, about leaders yeah, so, of leaders. what do you want to, what, what do you want well, to know about it? Yeah. So this is, this is the through line probably in all of the businesses is this whole concept of leadership. So as much as Jim Collins and Good to Great wanted to poo-poo this idea of leadership, that it's it's one person that's really changing the game in a business or whatever, he found that it was this these level five leaders were actually changing the game in businesses. So he had to, you know, he had to research into that. And think about it. If again, if we have leaders who think about developing leaders as opposed to leaders who are just trying to accrue a following, that changes the entire world, right? Yeah. Because I'm not looking to have people serve me, right? Which is what leaders who are acquiring followers are, are essentially doing. Like, hey, how can you serve me? And oh, yeah, I'll, I'll feed you baby birds. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's like, no, I'm going to build you up to be me and better than me. And if we have people that are constantly lifting people to higher levels than themselves, right? And that's an, an intrinsic part of their leadership, like how much better would the world be? And so that's what I, I aim to be uh, pursuing once, uh, once I have to leave living.fit because 2025, you're going to check in and be like, <laughs> yo, you said it. Is it sustainable? Is it, is it systems driven? Okay. Get. <laughs> All right. And so we're going to end on this. I, um, you shared it. You shared this quote, and, and I, I I shared this quote. Uh, I, I gave a eulogy a couple of years ago, and it's um, uh, you know, uh, you can tell how great a leader is not by the number of followers he has, but the number of other leaders. I, I think it's kind of yeah, the, yeah. if you remember, I don't know the Num number of leaders that he's developed. Yeah, or she's developed. But, but, all right, so I'm gonna leave with that quote. Thanks again, Aaron, for your time here, and um, looking forward to see what you doing next yeah me too thank you so much all right man. I'm, awesome I'm, I'm very honored to be on the podcast thank you thank you all right we'll talk again soon all right. All right.